Good afternoon, folk. Welcome to Faith FM and Looking Up. I hope and pray wherever you are, you are having a splendid day, even though it's a little bit overcast, a little bit wet out there here in Newcastle, Walls End, where we are airing this program from, from the Faith FM studios here in Walls End. Even so, it's good where we are because it's nice and warm. And the most important thing is that once again, we have a very special and important program for you from God's Word. So if you're listening for the very first time, a big welcome to you and I hope and pray that you will continue the journey with us. If you're a regular to looking up, a big a big welcome and great to have you back. My name is Danny Malenkov and I am here today with not Peter Watts. Um, we got into a bit of a heated theological debate yesterday and it didn't end well for him so he's away from the studio today no just kidding just kidding we are best of buds um he had um yeah, he had a minor uh, knee operation just just a minor thing so he's hobbling along but just yeah he wasn't in the right frame of mind to come along today so instead i have something better for you and that is my good friend, Leah. So welcome, Leah Hodge. She's been here before sharing her testimony, and she's back here today filling in for Peter. So welcome, Leah. Oh, thank you for having me. I um, don't know if I'm better than Peter, but I'll, I'm definitely grateful to be here. So yeah, I'm looking forward to what we're going to talk about today. So Leah, good to have you. And you know, I've got to, I've got to share this. I've got to tell the truth. I asked Leah this morning because Peter rings me up this morning. Can you believe it? Wednesday morning rings me up only hours before we're about to go to air, and he gives me his sad story and an excuse, if ever there was an excuse. So if you're listening, Peter, anyway, we're thinking of you and praying for you. So Leah, what happened this week? You've got about a minute to tell me something oh, exciting. Okay, you know, when people ask me that question, I always go, oh, my mind goes blank. But you know what happened to me this week? I did something that I haven't done for a very long time, which I'm kind of ashamed about. But I went to prayer meeting and I, yeah, we have prayer meeting on Zoom now because of COVID. But I used to love prayer meeting. About four years ago, I used to be there every single night. And then I kind of just got busy, life got busy and I stopped going. But I'm back, and it was great last, like last night. Yeah, we had prayer meeting at for my church. Praise was, the Lord! It was fantastic. Praise so. the Lord! And what church do you go to? I go to Blue Haven Church. Blue Haven Church. That's the church that we started all those years ago. Yes, yes. Back in 2012, I think it was 2012, and yes. it's still going strong. So, if there's anyone listening from the Central Coast, especially Blue Haven, a big welcome to you. So, thank you, Leah, for jumping on board. And um, today we've got yeah, Leah and I are going to take you through a very important study in God's Word as we look at the plan of salvation. But in the meantime, sit back and listen to this beautiful song, Down by the Riverside. I love this song.
Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that song. That was a fast-moving, uh, full-on song, wasn't it, Leah? Yeah, very upbeat. I was going into my chair, just having a good old time. <laughs> I nearly fell out of my chair. Yeah, so, um, yeah, wonderful. Wonderful song, Down by the Riverside, reminding us of that day when we will all meet in the New Jerusalem, the Bible says, there is a river that flows from the throne of God. There is the tree of life on both sides of the river. And really, this program, Looking Up, is all about primarily, and the focus is about enabling you, encouraging you to make your decision to be part of God's everlasting kingdom of love and to enjoy eternal joy, peace, happiness, and love with God and with all those that have made their decision to be part of his kingdom of love and live in harmony with those principles. So wherever you are, I'm praying and encouraging you to look up for that is for that is our only hope, to look up to Jesus. And the reason why we call our, our Faith FM Wednesday afternoon program Looking Up is based on the words of Jesus. In Luke 21, 28, Jesus said, in relation to his coming, he gave a number of signs and he talked about uh, fear and anxiety and stress amongst the nations uh, with perplexity. And then Jesus said, when you see all these things happening, which is what we're seeing right now in particular, he said, look up because your redemption is drawing near. So I pray that you will be looking up. And um, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that have been happening just this week. Um, a major news story coming out of Queensland. Yesterday, that um, Liam, who is our producer of Faith FM, good to have you, Liam. Um, he ensures that um, everything runs smoothly, and so he, yeah, pointed me to this story that I'm going to tap into just a little bit. But before that, I do want to give you the details in case you want to contact us and uh, you have a question or a comment. Feel free to do that on one eight hundred three two four. 843-1800-324-843 or you can text us your question or comment on 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. And for those who may be tuning in for the first time or you've, or you've only tuned in the last couple of weeks, we've been going for about four months um, with looking up ever since COVID uh, really um, began uh, causing major headaches for not only people in Australia, but people around the world, we decided or we were asked to put together a program that would specifically look at what's going on in the world, not just COVID, but, but just our world situation as it compares to Bible prophecies. So this program is very much focused at, at looking at what does the Bible, in particular Bible prophecy, have to say about the, the, the times and the world that we're living in and how we can prepare for the coming of Jesus so that when he does come, we may indeed look up because our Redeemer is drawing near to take us to his heavenly kingdom of love. So if you want to go to uh, those previous episodes, they're all on our Faith FM website. So all you need to do is you need to go to faithfm.com.au. That's faithfm.com.au. Go to the podcast section and go to Looking Up and you will find all the previous programs from when we first started all the way up until last week. Now, when it comes to news this week, as you uh, know, those who are regular listeners, we just sort of take a look at some of the major things that are taking place. And um, Leah, I know that you're not super duper keen on looking at the news, uh, which is 
understandable and probably advisable. Um, there's a lot of young people who are really over the news because it's just bad news. Um, and d- yep. I mean, you're kind of in your 30s. Well, you just turned 30 last year, didn't you? 31, Danny. You're 31. Okay, yeah. all right. You're moving into your 30s. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the people that you rub shoulders with, um, you know, in your age bracket in particular, I mean, I'm nearly 50, so I'm like ancient. Um, so <laughs> Hardly, hardly. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I'm a Gen Xer. You are, a, you know, the Gen Ys, the, you know, the, the, the more upbeat, modern, you know, tech-savvy generation. Uh, what does your generation think about the news and what's going on in the world? Well, it, it really depends upon the person. You know, you've got your people who do who do look at the news um, and then those who just are not interested at all in it. Um, like, I, I, don't, I don't really know what my, my friends are like with the news. I don't really think they watch it, to be honest. They're just, yeah. Um, they have these little five-segment, se- um, like, news recaps um, that, that you can listen to on, like, podcasts and stuff that my husband actually listens to. But, yeah, yeah, we, we, we don't really get into the news. Yeah. Yeah. Is, it because, is it because it's just so depressing? And so much bad oh, news, and it's just it so just creates, political, and it just creates a lot of fear for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no. Um, if you want to be fearful, watch the news because it just creates it. I believe because it's yeah, very negative, very it is. negative. And it's interesting. On the other side of the spectrum, you have your baby boomers, um, in particular, who some of them will start watching the news like at five p.m. And they'll continue watching till like 7.30 p.m. When, when ABC News comes to an end. Like there's two, two and a half hours and it's the same stuff being repeated on all the, all the major networks. Um, yeah, yeah. And I don't necessarily think that's a really good thing um, for, for mental health and just I don't think it's a good use of time. Totally, I agree. Yeah, that's a long time to watch the news. Yeah, so, um, so it's interesting. But I, I've discovered um, that uh, young people, especially those in their 20s and 30s, uh, the one thing that they're more concerned about anything else, and that is the environment and the health of our planet. Um, that seems to be the number one thing. Um, yep. Because, um, yeah, I guess they're, they're growing up. Some of them are starting families, young families. They're, they're starting out in life and they're wondering, you know, what kind of world are we going to be living in? Um, what kind of world will be here for my children, my grandchildren. So, so that's quite interesting. Now, um, yeah, we, we are looking at the news, as I pointed out, from a prophetic point of view. And uh, Bible prophecy gives us, uh, gives us a view that you will not find on the news channels. Um, regardless of what those news channels might be, Bible prophecy goes to the very heart of of, of what the key issues are at the end of time, and they center around allegiance to Jesus Christ, faithfulness to him, and worship. Mm. And that is what we have been focusing on here on Looking Up. Now, there's been a number of things we've talked about, um, and I'm just going to mention a few of these, and these obviously are in relation to um, the signs that Jesus gave us. He, he talked about social unrest, you know, and we see more and more of that. In fact, Leah, <clears throat> there's a scripture in Matthew 24, verse 12. And I think this is really fascinating. Um, uh, Matthew 24, I'm going to get Leah to read Matthew 24, verse 12 when she gets there in a moment. But Matthew 24 is a chapter where Jesus gives signs concerning his coming. Mm. And from Matthew 24, verse 1 to verse 14 is really a big 
picture airplane view of all the signs from the beginning of of, of those signs to the coming mm-hmm. of Jesus, which is preceded by the gospel to the whole world. Um, it also, you know, it's also in connection with the destruction of Jerusalem, which we've looked at. But it's interesting that before before Jesus comes, there will be a major sign that I see as absolutely critical that Jesus points out. It's in Matthew 24, verse 12. If you want to read this, Leah, and then I just want to unpack this just for a moment. Yeah, so it says... And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Okay, very interesting. I have the New King James. I think you've got the King James there. Is that right? That's correct. The New King James says lawlessness for iniquity. It's the same word. Yep. And it's interesting. Jesus said just before he comes, lawlessness will abound. This is fascinating to me. Mm. And, um, And we know from... From the Bible, that that God's law is His Ten Commandments, mm. um, which is a summary of the entire Scriptures. Those ten principles of love, how we relate to one another, and how we relate to God. And the Bible says lawlessness will abound, so there will be a lack of interest in God's Ten Commandments. Yep. Would you say that's the case today? Totally, and there'll be a lack of interest, in other words, of loving others. Yeah, that's exactly. It's right. all about self, really. Selfishness is the absence of love. So how many people today are interested in God, especially amongst the younger generation in Australia? Very few. Very few. Very few. Very few. So, um, and, you know, the, the, there's a lack of interest in God, which are the first four commandments. The fifth commandment deals with our relationship with our family, our immediate family. You know, honor your mother and your father. And I mean, that's, that's gone out the window yep. in, many, in many aspects, would you say? Yes, Yes, I can see that. Definitely. And then we have, you know, then we have the rest of the commandments, you know, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't lie. And guess what you find on Netflix and Hollywood? Yeah. <laughs> and don't covet. Yeah, and don't covet is the last one, and, yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and we see that everywhere too. Always wanting someone else's things. So we can see, so it, it's interesting that, that, that Hollywood and the entertainment industry um, makes millions and billions of dollars by glorifying those things that God says are not in our best interest. And yet, you know, people can watch these movies, uh, sip on their Coke, eat their popcorn while people are blowing themselves up, yep. uh, committing all sorts of sexual immorality, lying, uh, committing, committing crimes, uh, as you pointed out, you know, coveting. And we see that as entertainment. Yeah. And it's so crazy to think like the more that that is put in front of our minds, the less bad it is. It Mm. just becomes so normal. So it's just normal for us to see these things and not even think twice about them. And that's crazy to think. So it's interesting. So, So we see it. So we see violence and all sorts of things played out on the screen, on Hollywood screens. And then we see it on the news where people are ransacking um, businesses, firebombing, you name it, just all sorts of mayhem on the streets. And so we can see that one is leading to the other. And it's interesting what Jesus said, lawlessness, because lawlessness will abound, notice the result, the love of many will grow cold. Isn't that interesting? How lawlessness, how how a disregard and our and a turning our backs on God's Ten Commandments, which are his law of love, yep. love towards God, love towards your fellow man, 
leads to a lack of genuine, true love. Wow. Wow, that's good. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. And that love there, the word there is agape. Yep. Agape. Yes. You know, there are a number of words um, in the original Greek that, that speak of love. You know, there's agape, which is that unconditional love of God that God invites us to to have through him. Then there is, um, you know, then there's phile, which is that your brotherly love, mm. the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. And then you've got, you know, strogos, which is another word for, for family love. Those within your immediate family. And then there's eros, which is that physical love, which we get the word erotic from. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so it's really fascinating that, that that's what we are seeing right now. Now, there is something very interesting, um, Leah, that you and I just briefly talked about. And, um, and our producer, Liam, uh, put me onto this. And that is that just yesterday, so that would be, that would be uh, Tuesday, September 8, just yesterday... Um, the Queensland government passed a new law that priests no longer are protected by the seal of confession. That is, if a priest in a confessional is, is um, given information regarding child abuse, they must report that. Otherwise, they will face criminal charges, um, including... A lengthy prison term. Now, how do you feel about that? Do you think that priests ought to be exempt from sharing on child abuse that's reported to them? Or do you think that they ought to report on that, Leah? I think personally that they definitely ought to report on that. I don't think that should be kept. That's not keeping people safe. That's not keeping children safe if it's not shared and dealt with. That's how I personally feel. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we know from Scripture, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, God wants us to act in a just way, yep. in a loving and kind way. And God especially has a soft spot for the marginalized, for the oppressed, for the discriminated. And let me add, those who have suffered whatever kind of abuse, be it physical abuse, emotional, um, even spiritual abuse, God has a soft spot for them. And so I am so glad that the Queensland government has passed that law yep. because um, regardless of who you may be, whether you're a religious leader or, or just an, anybody else, um, we all have a responsibility to protect those, especially the most, the most vulnerable. Yep. And um, so, yeah, that's, that's a really good positive news story. Um, and I hope and pray the rest of Australia um, will take that on board. I hope and pray that it becomes uh, a federal law that all the states and territories of Australia need to abide by. Well, we're going to go to some news and some music. And then when we come back, we're going to begin by unpacking our subject for today. So stay tuned and we'll, and we'll be with you after the break.
Welcome back to Faith FM. You are with Danny and uh, my co-host for today is Leah, uh, sitting in for Peter. And we are here taking you through another fantastic Bible study from God's Holy Word. Before we went to the break, we were just taking a look at um, how Jesus predicted before he returns, uh, there will be less love in the world that will be precipitated by a lack of interest in following God and his law of love, which protects those two most important relationships that we have, one with God, the vertical and the horizontal with one another. Today, in our Bible study, we want to take a look at the all-important plan of salvation. We're going to be taking a look at a subject that uh, not that many people are familiar with, and that is the message of salvation as God has given it to us through the symbol or the story of the sanctuary. Um, and so we're going to unpack that as we go along. Some of you may be thinking, wow, I don't, really don't know too much about that. So uh, today you'll be blessed and I'm sure you will have an opportunity to receive understanding which you wouldn't have had. And this is all part of God's final message of love to the world. Now, before we begin um, this study, it's a really important study. And because it's on radio, Leah and I are going to have to do our best to try and give you as many word pictures as we possibly can. Um, we've got a lot of visuals and slides, but that's obviously not very applicable to radio. So we're going to try to give you as many uh, visual uh, pictures as we possibly can. So we need God to bless our time together in his word. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to move into our study together. So let's just pause and pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to open your word. And Lord, this is a very important subject that we are looking at. Um, it's not a very well understood subject, although the scriptures are full from the beginning to the end on this vital subject that, that teaches us the all-important plan of salvation, this kindergarten lesson uh, that you have given to us, Father, through through the sanctuary services and all that it entails. So I pray that as we study your word, that Jesus will be lifted up on high and that all will be drawn to him. So this is our prayer in his name. Amen. 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 All right. Now, just a little bit of recap briefly. Uh, last week... Uh, we looked at that aspect in the first angel's message in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 7. And we've been looking at the three angel's messages. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, you may be wondering, what are these three angel's messages all about? Jesus said that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. You find that in Matthew 24, 14. Now, the gospel in an end-time context is described in Revelation 14, verses 6 to 12. Verse 6 begins with uh, John saying, I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, um, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the face of the earth, to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. So the gospel that Jesus spoke of in an end-time context is called the everlasting gospel. And that first message is about... Fearing God, which we've looked at, giving glory to him, which we've also looked at. And you can find all that out if you go to our podcasts there on the Faith FM website. And we've also taken a look at, last week we looked at for the hour of his judgment has come. And we discovered that the judgment is good news for the one that has put their faith and trust in Jesus. 
And just simply uh, put, the judgment um, involves Jesus Christ. He is our defense attorney. Jesus Christ, according to the scriptures, he's our judge. And the prosecutor is the devil. But because of Christ, we are blessed to know that we can have complete assurance that Jesus covers all of our sins. He is our judge. He is our advocate. And he covers us with his robe of righteousness. So we we are safe and secure in his hands. And so we have nothing to fear about the judgment. Isn't that good news, Amen. Leah? Amen. The best news. It is wonderful news. Wonderful news. We also discovered that the judgment, according to Scripture based on Revelation 14, 7, where it says the hour of his judgment has come. It gives a very specific time that we are now living in the judgment period. The judgment is after the cross. It's at a specific time in earth's history. It's after 1798, after that 1260-year prophecy. We've already looked at that all in the past. I don't have time to unpack that now. You just need to go to the podcasts and you'll find out all about that. And certainly before the coming of Jesus. So we want to take a look at this judgment. We'll discover today when the judgment actually begins. Wow. So that's really that's exciting. That's really important. That is really important. That is really important. So we'll determine from Scripture whether or not we are actually living in that judgment hour. And, um, and the judgment hour is immediately prior to the coming of Jesus. So it's really important for us to understand that. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. Now... We want to begin by taking a look at this message of uh, the sanctuary. Now, the sanctuary is uh, a very important um, subject in Scripture. It reminds us of the temple. The sanctuary was followed by the temple. And um, the temple was there in Jerusalem. Now, Back in 2017, Leah, uh, a president in the United States of America, he made, um, he made a huge decision that caused a lot of shockwaves around the world, especially the Arab world. Um, do you want to just sort of share with our listeners what President Donald Trump um, decided to do back in 2017, December 2017? Yeah, so President Donald Trump, he decided to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Wow, that was a big deal. It was a big deal. That was a big deal. You may not have caught it because you don't watch the news much. (laughs) But you can tell us, Danny. I can certainly tell you. Now, that was a big deal um, because Jerusalem... Uh, Jerusalem is considered uh, not by not only by the Jews to be uh, their their sacred city. I've been to Jerusalem on two occasions. In fact, it's my favorite city in the world. Really, I just love the old city of Jerusalem. Um, I've walked around it a number of times. It's just a fascinating city because you can just picture what it was like um, for for Jesus to be there and um, and so much you know Bible history has taken place there. Now Jerusalem today, if you go to Jerusalem today, especially the old city, it's um, there are four quarters there and there is the Jewish quarter, there's the Armenian quarter, there's the Muslim quarter, and there's also the Christian quarter. So mm. this the old city of Jerusalem and we're talking about it's only it's only a small city comparatively i think it's only about like four kilometers to walk right around the city wow yeah yeah you can walk right around the, this is the old city of jerusalem 
Okay, this is not Jerusalem, modern day Jerusalem. So this it is could take you like forty minutes to walk basically, around. Basically, yeah, basically. It's either four or five kilometers, something like that. Yeah, I'd walk around it twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening. <laughs> I didn't blow the trumpet, um, like <laughs> like they did like they did in in the days of Joshua, uh, for Jericho. So um but yeah, it's a beautiful city and um so it's made up of those four quarters and uh the reason why that's significant is because uh, the Muslims uh, also considered that as as a very special place because they have one of their holiest sites there where the old temple used to be. It's called the Dome of the Rock. Um, you can go there today uh, to the Dome of the Rock. Um, it's um, known it's 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 known as I think the second or the third. Uh, most holy site um, for the for the Muslim people. Um, so it's a very important place. And as far as the Jews are concerned, the closest they can get to the place where the Temple of Solomon stood once upon a time, um, and the Temple of Herod um, after that is called the Western Wall. You've probably seen the Western Wall, where Orthodox Jews in particular go yep. and pray. Yep. Yeah, so that's what we have there, and um, so yeah, it's a very it's a very important place. Um, it's 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 very sacred. This is yeah for Jews, the Western Wall is the most holy place at the moment. Um, they are hoping and praying to be able to get back on the Temple Mount and to rebuild the Temple. Yeah, wow. But um, yeah, we don't know whether that will happen or not. That'll probably cause. A huge war, yeah. huge war. So um, now the temple was preceded by the sanctuary. Yep. The sanctuary, um, which God invited the children of Israel to make through Moses. Now the sanctuary, do you want to sort of explain to our listeners um, the sanctuary? What what does that actually mean? Well, the I think the best way is to go to the scripture and tell us why God wanted to make a sanctuary mm. for us. Um, in Exodus, Exodus 25, it tells us that God gives instructions to Moses. And I'll read it to you. Yes, read um, it. It says could. here in um, Exodus 25 verse 8, it says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So the reason why this whole sanctuary business came up in the first place is that God may dwell with us. So has that always been God's plan? Yes, it has been, but something interrupted that plan. Um, and so, yeah, that was always God's plan, that we would be with him, that we would be able to be in his presence. And isn't that a wonderful thing? Oh, absolutely. So, so as you're, you're right, Leah. God's, God's original plan was for him to dwell with the people that he made. Yeah, and so the sanctuary, when we look into it now in this study, we're going to see how that whole uh, idea of him dwelling with us, how that happens in the sanctuary service. Mm. Um, so there's a process that happens and how um, we are to be reconciled to God. Absolutely. And so the sanctuary is this place, as Leah, as Leah has rightly said, and we've read from Scripture from Exodus 25, where God... Um, has established a place where he can once again dwell with his people. The sanctuary is a place set apart for the forgiveness of sin. Mm. Um, it's a little bit like um, 
our listeners may be familiar with uh, uh, animal sanctuaries. Mm. Like we have yeah. Corumban yep. Sanctuary. Um, down in Melbourne, there's Hillsville Sanctuary. And uh, these are places, uh, you know, these are areas that have been designated as, um, you know, special reserves where certain certain animals and wild and, and, and nature, you know, uh, flora and fauna can, can be preserved and can grow and can flourish. Yep. And so the sanctuary is, is a place uh, just like that. Now, as Leah pointed out, God has always wanted to dwell with us and he created Adam and Eve at the beginning of time to dwell with them. But unfortunately, you said there was something that came in the way. And what was that something? That that's something has uh, three letters and it's called sin. Yes, sin. Sin came in the way. And what does the Bible say about sin? It does what? It separates. It separates us from God. That's exactly right. And I like to, I like to um, refer to sin as cancer. Yeah. Uh, I think we're all well familiar with cancer and its devastating um, impact on individuals, on families, on friendships. And what does cancer do? Uh, cancer separates. It's, yeah, it destroys us. It destroys us. It, it destroys good cells. It, it eats away at our life. It does. It, it does. takes away from the enjoyment of our life. It does. I mean, it all starts off with one cancer cell. Yep. And the interesting thing is um, that sometimes sin can seem pleasurable to us. And just with cancer, some things that we do that may seem pleasurable to us end up actually hurting us and causing cancer in some circumstances. So that's a really good analogy. I like that. Yeah, it's interesting what you share. And I haven't thought about it um, and taken it to that next point where there are things that we enjoy. Yeah. Uh, food, mm. uh, drink, um, you know. Some baking, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I mean, I've I personally have had a malignant melanoma. Yes, that's right. From being out in the sun for too long, and you know, it's great to sun bake, you know, get a tan and so forth. But we, you know, we know the truth about uh, the rays of the sun today. But there are things that, yeah, we enjoy at the time, but they bite. Yeah, and um, and that's exactly like sin. Yeah, it's really interesting because Eve, Eve was told uh, by God. Adam and Eve were both told by God, you know, don't eat from this tree. Yep. But the Bible says the serpent tempted Eve with the, with the beauty and, and that it was pleasurable and, and to make one wise and good to eat. Yep. And so she went with her feelings rather than with the word of God. And, and sadly, she experienced and Adam experienced the consequences of sin. So, so that is what the main aim of the sanctuary was, to take away sin and to restore us to our relationship with God. So that's what we're going to continue to unpack after the break. But in the meantime, just sit back and listen to It Is Well With My Soul. It's a beautiful song and I hope and pray that you enjoy it. It is well, it 
Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that song. We are looking at the plan of salvation today. You're with Danny and Leah here on Faith FM and looking up. And before we went to that um, beautiful piece of music, we discovered that at the beginning, God had a plan in place. When Adam and Eve sinned, they contracted cancer, which is which is sin. We looked at that analogy. Uh, God came up with a plan. And uh, there's a scripture in in the Bible that, that talks about this plan that God came up with even before he created Adam and Eve. Do you want to just sort of share on that? You can just, yeah. Well, there's a verse that um, in Revelation, actually, which talks about how God or Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. Mm. So before the world was, there was already a way to save it, wow. which is, is a, just amazing to think about. That's in Revelation chapter 12, yeah? Yeah. And so you're telling me, um, Leah, that God had a plan in place to yeah. save the human race even before he created the human even race. Even before. So you're telling me that God knew ahead of time that Adam and Eve were going to sin. Well, God knows everything, right? And he still created them. And he still created us with the ability, with the risk of freedom of choice. Wow, that's, that's, that's just so such a, such a mind-boggling concept. Yeah. That's hard for us to imagine. And I guess that just it boils down to you know the, what the Bible says about God. It summarizes God in three words. God is love. Mm. And with love, you have to have the ability to choose his way or another way. Otherwise, mm. that would be force. And that's not love. That's, that's, a, right. that's a robot. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So we have, we, we have God's plan of salvation. And we have looked at the scripture in Exodus 25 where God told the children of Israel to make him a sanctuary that he may dwell in their midst. And it says, and you read these scriptures earlier, um, make it according to the pattern. 
So I don't know much about sewing and um, making clothes and so forth. Neither do I, but they do use patterns. They do use patterns. I do know that. Yeah. I do know that. Well, I guess, look, it's like an architect. Yeah. An architect, uh, you know, puts together a drawing, you yep. want to call it a pattern, yep. that the house is going to be based on. Yep. So the, the drawings aren't the real house, obviously. That's, yep. that's the pattern. Mm. And so you've got a real house. So, yep. you know, we use that kind of thing for everything. So Moses here was shown um, a pattern of of a temple mm. that so, he could work off. Exactly. So where where was the original? Where was the original? That's a good question. The original, it's actually found in Hebrews. It says that there is a, a temple in heaven. So there was a temple in heaven before yes. there was a sanctuary and a temple here on this earth. Yes. Wow. That, that's incredible. And, yeah, you can read about that in Hebrews and we'll take a look um, as we have time later on in Revelation. It also talks about a sanctuary. Yes. Um, there's a lot of sanctuary symbolism there. Now, this sanctuary, some of you may have seen a picture of it. You may not have. If you haven't, I'd encourage you to Google um, Google the Old Testament sanctuary and there are plenty of pictures there on Google for you to take a look at. But essentially, the sanctuary was made up of, of three uh, different areas, if you want to call it that. Um, and if you can picture, you know, a good old-fashioned Australian tent. I don't know what tents around the world look like, but in Australia, tents generally have three compartments. You yep. know, the big family tents I'm talking about. Yep. I'm not talking about your little, you know. One-man uh, tent. One-man tent. I'm talking a big, you know, a family tent. You have your outside area that's covered and you've usually got those, what do you call those, poles? Yeah, poles. Yeah, the poles for the awning. Yeah, that's right. So you've got your outside awning uh, part where you spend your time outside. And then you usually have where you've got your supplies and um, your bags and all sorts of other bits and pieces in that first part of the tent. Yep. So the actual inside of the tent is made up of two compartments. You've got the inside part and then you've got your sleeping quarters. Yep. Usually at the back. Yep. Um, so if you can picture the sanctuary like a tent um, where you have these three areas. And so we're going to go through the sanctuary with you. And before we do that, um, I just want to ask an important question, and that is, uh, why was the sanctuary and its services so important? Um, there's a scripture here in Psalm 77, verse 13. Mm. Um, Psalm 77, verse 13. Um, God here, through David, tells us why the sanctuary service and why this sanctuary message is so important. So um, Psalm 77, verse 13. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to read that, Leah? Yeah, I do. It says here that thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Wow. So how do we get to God? Through the sanctuary. Through the sanctuary. Wow, that's that, that's incredible. Did you want to say something oh, else? Oh, no, it just reminds me of this other text. Um, it's found in John 14, verse 6. Um, and it says, Jesus is speaking here, and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Mm, that's a great text, yeah. So here it says, thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. And Jesus is saying, I am the way. So that just gives a little bit of um, a connection point to what we're going to talk about in these different compartments. So you're telling me that the way... Is Jesus? I am. Wow! From the Bible. From not, the Bible. Not Leah, from no. the Bible. <laughs> from the Bible, indeed. Did you get that, listeners? I think that's just a, a beautiful gem. I didn't have that down in my notes, but 
Yeah, that's why we have Leo and not Peter today. Um, <laughs> if you're listening, Peter, we love you. We and, love you. And to finish off that text. Carry on, carry on. To finish off that text, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So as we want to go to the Father, we go through Jesus, and we're going to see everything in this temple, this tent, as we're going to talk about it, is to do with Jesus as the way to the Father. Well, so Jesus, you could say, is that bridge. Yeah. That bridge that takes us from sin over that chiasm, yep. which is Christ, and we're going to discover that's the cross, um, all the way to the Father uh, yep. on the other side. So it's going to be really exciting. It's good. It's exciting. This, this sanctuary is what, message. This, oh. It's all about Jesus. Who doesn't love to talk about Jesus? It is all about Jesus. All right, so now let's take a look at this sanctuary. Okay, we've discovered it's made up of these three three main areas. Um before you, there are six items of furniture uh, in these three areas of the sanctuary. Uh, but before you, before you get to those six items, you have to walk through. What do you need to walk through? You have to walk through um, the gate. The gate. Yeah. The gate. The door. The door. It's fascinating. There is only one way in and one way out. Yep. Now, Leah, you've got to go to John chapter 10. Okay. You've got to go to John chapter 10. Yep. And we're going to discover who is the door. Okay. You mentioned earlier that um, Jesus is uh, Jesus is uh, represented by the sanctuary in every single detail. And if you want to share from John chapter 10, um, uh, if you could share from verse 1 to verse 3. 1 to verse 3 of John chapter 10, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up another way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Okay, so here we have... A thief who doesn't enter by the door and the true shepherd that does enter by the door. Yep. All right. Now let's find out who this true shepherd is. All right. If you want to drop down to verse 9. It says in verse 9, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. All right. Who's speaking here? Jesus is. So who's the door? Jesus. Jesus is the door. He is the door that we enter into salvation. This reminds me of what you just shared earlier from John fourteen six, where I, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you can probably add there, the door. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. In, in the book of John, you'll come across a number of I am statements. Yeah. A number of I am statements. And we're going to take a look at them. So, so the first thing we need to recognize is that we enter into the sanctuary through Jesus. He is the door. Yep. Okay. Now, so we've entered into the sanctuary. Now, Leah, what's that first item yep. of furniture in the sanctuary? There are six. What's that very first one that the the person, and by the way, just to back up, the person who is coming into the sanctuary, they have sinned. They are a sinner. We have all sinned. In case you're wondering, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. They are coming with a lamb or with a goat or with another um, animal that is um, appropriate to be sacrificed for sin because the Bible says without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So that is one of the consequences of sin, death. Yep. Well, that is the consequence of sin, death. So instead of the sinner paying the price with his or her own life, an animal 
is sacrificed to take the place of the sinner. And we're going to take a look at that right now. So what's so what's the first um, yeah, item of furniture that the sinner bringing this, say, lamb, yep. is comes to the first piece of furniture that that person will see is called the altar of sacrifice and the, this altar of sacrifice was um, made of of brass or bronze and on that they would bring that animal that lamb that goat and that animal would be then sacrificed on that piece of furniture okay so the first the first item of furniture is the altar of sacrifice and we have the lamb now who is the one that lays the hand on that animal's head, on, on, on the lamb's head, and actually, I hate to say this, but this is what actually happened, takes the knife and actually kills this lamb. Yeah. Who is it? That is the, the sinner, the person mm. who have committed a sin. They have to then confess over that animal, that, that lamb, their sin, and then take the life of that innocent Lamb. Wow, that's very powerful. So let me just repeat that. The the one that has committed the sins, he confesses his sin upon the head of this innocent lamb, and then he kills that innocent lamb. That's right. Now, who does that lamb represent? Well, as we go to Scripture, and we've been in John for a little bit here, John 1, 29, um, John the Baptist, um, when Jesus was... Um, in starting his ministry, he looked at Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And if you don't know um, the Old Testament scriptures, this verse wouldn't make any sense because why would he be talking about a lamb? Mm-hmm. But John was pointing us back to that sacrificial system and he said, This is the lamb that's going to take away the sin of the world. So that lamb in the Old Testament represented Jesus who would come and he would be the one that would be sacrificed for our sins. Yes, that's right. So as we see, Jesus has fulfilled the, um, I guess, this piece of um, you know, furniture, not even furniture, but this symbol of the lamb. As we said, Jesus is part of this whole sanctuary service. And so, so Jesus is the door yep. that we enter through. Yep. We have the lamb yep. that we enter. We, we, we find that lamb goes on that altar of sacrifice, which is the cross. That's the cross. That's the cross. And so right from the get-go, we have Christ, the focus of, of salvation yep. through the sanctuary. Well, that's very powerful. Yeah, John one twenty. And by the way, um, yeah, the book of Revelation, the lamb appears some 29 times. Yes. You can go through and read the book of Revelation from chapter 1 to chapter 22 and you discover, yeah, 29 times uh, the lamb represents Jesus except for on one occasion, and that's in chapter 13. And we're going to look at that as we go along um, where there's an incredible uh, switch that takes place. All right, so we have we have the, the altar of sacrifice. Then we move to the next item of furniture mm-hmm. that is still in the courtyard. So this is the that, that outside the, area. the outside area called the courtyard. Then what do we come across? We come across another piece of furniture called the laver. And this laver was something that held water. And um, it, it was also made from um, bronze, brass. And, yeah, so there was a, yeah, a washing dish like a, um, where you put water and wash. So the priests washed their hands and they washed their feet before they went into the, the tent. Yes. Into the holy place or the most holy place, which we're going to take a look at. That's now, right. Do you want to read that scripture um, from 1 John 1.9? So we talked about John 1.9. This is not John 1.9, but 1 John 1.9. This is a very wonderful promise that I hope everyone will take to heart. If we 
we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow. So so the water represents what? Cleansing. Cleansing. And I mean, that's that's a no-brainer. We use water today yep. to, to cleanse. Yep. We have a shower with water and we just... It's a powerful solvent. It breaks down things and, yeah, yeah washes it's a, us. It's interesting. And now um, it's interesting that um, baptism... Yes. Baptism is is conducted um, by water as well. Well, we use water in baptism. Yeah. Yep. It's that dying to that old life and being renewed in Christ, being cleansed with Christ. Wow, that's powerful. So we we have we have Christ who is our example. He was baptized, yep. and so we're invited to also be baptized. So once we accept the plan of salvation, once we receive forgiveness for our sins, we testify that in a public way through the act of baptism. And so we're going to continue this journey through the sanctuary. Um, I hope you're enjoying it. Sit back and uh, enjoy this beautiful song, We Have Hope. Oh, wow. We have hope that one day we'll see him in the sky He has given us the hope of eternal life He holds the earth in the palm of his hand Our Savior who knows us by name So let our hearts be filled with the hope of His love That we may boldly say He is the Lord of love Redeemer, friend The sovereign God of our life We trust in Him alone Almighty King Our hope is in Jesus Christ
Welcome back to Faith FM. You're with Danny and Leah here on Looking Up this afternoon. Hope you enjoyed We Have Hope. And if ever there was a time when we needed hope, it's today. And that is what our study is on this afternoon. It's on the hope that we have in Jesus. Yep. Uh, We've been looking at the plan of salvation through the sanctuary. And Jesus uh, Jesus has told us he is the, the way, the truth, and the life. We've already looked at that. He is the door. Um, he is the sacrifice. We have looked at that in the sanctuary. Um, he is the altar. I mean, he, he was on the altar he called was. the cross. And now we move into uh, the first apartment in the sanctuary. The sanctuary has two apartments. We talked about the tent analogy earlier, how, how family tents have two apartments two indoor apartments or inside apartments, I should say. And so uh, we have the holy place and the most holy place. The holy place is the first apartment. The most holy place is the second apartment. Now, just to give you a heads up, we will take a look at this as we go along. But the priest ministered every single day of the year in the holy place. However, he only went into the most holy place once Every year. So on one day every year, he would go into the most holy place. So we're going to get to that and I'm going to unpack that a little more as we go along. But that's just giving you just a little bit of an overview of the sanctuary, that tent and the two and the two different um, sections of it. Now, as you walk into the holy place, Leah, there are three items of furniture we've already looked at Two. There are three more here and there's going to be one more in the most holy place. What's one of the items in the holy place. Well, the first one um, on the right hand side of your of the um, first apartment is the table of showbread. Um, so this was, um, yeah, a piece of furniture that was gold and it had um, loaves on there. How many loaves? It had twelve loaves. Why twelve? Because the twelve um, tribes of Israel and um, right on the money. Yep, and um, so they were actually um, split into two, so six loaves in one pile and six loaves in the other pile. And this is all symbolic, as we've been um, yeah, talking about this afternoon. And what you can guess what that represents, the bread. You what tell is me. It? You tell me, Leah. Well, in John, see, John just loves to talk about Jesus. <laughs> John 6.35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And wow. so he is the bread in the sanctuary. And you know what? Does everyone like food? Does everyone like eating I don't think we can really live. I don't think they'll be listening to us if they don't like eating. (laughs) Well, we know that we need um, food to sustain our physical life. Mm. And just like in um, the physical, the spiritual life, we need to have Jesus. We need to have the Word of God um, daily. This is what this is teaching us. And it's interesting when Jesus was tempted by the devil. You know, I'm just reflecting on what you're sharing, Leah. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness after fasting... For 40 days, uh, praying and fasting for 40 days, communicating with his heavenly father after his baptism. The Bible says that the devil came and tempted him on on three separate occasions. And the first temptation was in regarding to turning stones into bread. And you remember what Jesus responded with. Yes, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He knew where his strength was. So this holy place is um, teaching us what we need every day. We need to be spending time in God's word every day. And it reminds me of that text, give us this day our daily bread. Mm. In the the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. That's the Lord's Prayer. So, um, yeah, well well known to many people, the Lord's Prayer. 
So then we come to the the second item of furniture on the left-hand side as you walk into the holy place. And what do we find there, Leah? Uh, we have um, the lampstand. So this was a seven-branch candlestick, um, which was gold as well. And um, Now, why seven? Seven? Well, in, in the Bible, that number is um, very special. It means perfect or complete. And so it's very, um, yeah, you can study that number. It comes up a lot in... In the Bible. Especially in the book of Revelation. Especially in the book of Revelation. And it's in it right from the beginning, Genesis 1 and 2. Yep. God created the world in six days. And rested. And rested on the seventh day. Yeah. And it's interesting because you've got the seven branch candlesticks. You've got, you know, your six branches yep. that sort of go out. And then the one in the middle mm-hmm. goes straight up straight and that's up. a seventh. And um, and that's really fascinating. Yeah. So it's there's a lot of symbolic stuff in here. And it just gets deeper and deeper if you study this oh, more. Yes, it does. Um, and it just goes to show you how much Jesus is involved in our salvation. Now... Jesus obviously represents the lampstand, yes. or the lampstand, I should say, represents Jesus. Now, do you want to give us a scripture for that? It's in John as well. John again. <laughs> John 8 verse 12, if you want to write that down, it says, Then Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. And it's interesting because he also says in Matthew 5 that we are the light of the world. So how does that work? Well, we are to reflect the light from Jesus to our friends and our family. We are to be the witnesses. So as the light of Jesus comes into our hearts, yep. it's it's God's plan for that light of Jesus to flow out of us. Yep. We can't give what we don't have. Mm. So Jesus is the source of the light. And so when we um, you know, eat the bread of life in the morning, we have we get that light then and it can be shared. In our life. Now, would you say also that um, we could say that that seven branch candlestick that is fed um, by oil? Yes. It is oil that sustains that candlestick. And that yep. was to burn continually. Continually. This continually. lamp was not to go out. It wasn't to go out. So exactly. our light is not to go out. Exactly. And, um, and the oil represents what? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So yep. what do we need every day? We need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. In order that we may shine. That's right. So, you can't have any sort of light without that burning, that oil that's burning. Absolutely. So, yeah, as, as Leah said, there is just so much to share. We could literally do a whole program on every single one of these items of furniture. Yeah. It's funny because if you read the book of Leviticus, this is an, an exodus and it has all these, like you think, boring things that I used to read, but it's all pointing to Jesus. And so it makes it come to life when you go read that. Just think about that. Yeah, there is just so much there. And we're just yeah. dealing with the with the main items yeah. that that point to Christ, let alone the rest of the sanctuary and the services. So we just don't have time for that. But yeah, there's so much more. We we want to encourage you to to go and, and do some more study. Now there is a third item of furniture there in the holy place. Um directly before the most holy place and that final item in the most holy place. Now, what do we find there? We have what's called the altar of incense. And this is um, was also a gold piece of furniture. And uh, we have a v- Bible verse which tells us what the altar of incense is represents. Is it in the book of John? This one is actually written by John <laughs> Written too. by John too. <laughs> Revelation 5 verse 8 um, tells us that this is representative of the prayers of the saints. Do you want to read that scripture from Revelation 5 8? Yeah, let me go there in my, my Bible. So it says in Revelation 5 verse 8, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts of, and the four 
and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Mm. Or I've got here golden bowls full of the incense, which mm. are the prayers of the saints, which is which is what you've just shared. There's another scripture in um, Hebrews chapter seven and verse twenty-five, and uh, I might I might just read that one uh, regarding uh, the incense and what it represents. Therefore, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Mm. And so that incense. Um, was placed on the altar of incense twice every day, mm-hmm. in the morning and in the evening. So you like had the morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice. And that incense was like the like the candles. It was never to go out. That's right. And so the incense here represents Jesus and his intercession. That's right. We his prayers on our behalf. That's right. We can't come to the Father except through Jesus. So when we pray in Jesus' name, that's how we, you know, Talk to the Father. And this is like the incense that's burnt on here. Powerful. Very powerful. Now, there is one final item of furniture, one significant final item of furniture that is found in the most holy place. So this is um, where where the priest, the high priest, there were other priests, but only the high priest could enter once a year. Now, what item of furniture was there, Leah? So this one item of furniture is called the Ark of the Covenant. So it was an ark. Um, it had two angels on top of it, um, which was called on the top of the mercy seat. Inside the ark, we had the covenant, which was the Ten Commandments. So that was the covenant. So a covenant is an agreement mm. between God and his people, just like we have covenants today yep. um, between individuals. Um, when it comes to property or or even marriage, yep, marriage right. is a covenant mm. um, between two individuals. So we have this Ark of the Covenant, and inside the Ark of the Covenant, we have the Ten Commandments, the, the Ten Commandments between God and His people. Mm. And on top of the Ten Commandments, there was something called it's called the Mercy Seat. And why why is that important? Well, without God's mercy, we would be done with, wouldn't we? And that's interesting that it's, it comes on top of the, of the law of God, which we have broken. We mm. need God's mercy mm. because we have all broken that law. And so without his mercy being on top, we would be, yeah, we'd be finished. So without that mercy seat, there's no hope. There is no hope. There is no hope. And so you have those two angels. Yes. Uh, those two angels. What what do they represent like in the in the heavenly reality? Well, so the Bible talks, um, if you're looking, it does talk a little bit about angels and how they are in interested in the plan of salvation and helping us humans um, in this big battle that's going on, basically, this controversy. Um, they're really interested in, in, and they're so reverent to God's law as well. Um, they're reverently looking down um, upon the law of God in this mm. in this picture of the of the angels and the ark of the covenant. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it's interesting because um, you have you you have the ark of the covenant. You've got the angels, the two angels, the two cherubim mm. um, that are that are situated there by the very throne room of God. 
one on either side. And really the Ark of the Covenant and the Most Holy Place represents the throne of God. Yes. The very throne of God. And we know from Scripture that God's law is the foundation of his throne. That's right. So we have the Ten Commandments there. We have God's mercy as well. Um, The Bible says mercy and justice have kissed, speaking of what Christ did on the cross. And you can find that in the book of Psalms. And so here we have the most holy place with the most important um, item of furniture that represents the very throne room of God, where the high priest would go once a year. Now, when it comes to the Ten Commandments um, and the Ark of the Covenant, uh, how does how does how does that represent Jesus Christ? Uh, we've talked about um, all the other elements yep. representing Jesus Christ. Um, how does the the Ark of the Covenant represent Jesus Christ? Well, Jesus came to this earth. The Word was made flesh, and He dwelt among us. And it's Jesus actually fulfilled the law in him, His life. Mm-hmm. He was perfect. He did not sin, which means He did not break those ten commandments. And so. In Jesus's very life, he fulfilled the the law, and in and as we look and study Jesus' life, we see his life of service to people, his love, his compassion, and that was the law lived in in flesh. So Christ, as he said in uh, Matthew chapter five, you know, I did not come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill it, to fulfill it, to show the the full implications and and the true beauty and nature of my law. Yep. And so Jesus kept the law perfectly. How did he provide mercy? How did he provide mercy? That's the mercy seat. So how did Christ provide mercy? By shedding his life on the cross. By dying for us. Yeah. So he didn't deserve to die. He didn't die because of his own sins. Mm. But as John pointed out, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away my sins and your sins and the sins of the world. Mm. And so there we have there we have those two elements in the most holy place represented by Christ. He kept the law perfectly, the only one that's ever kept God's holy law of love perfectly, and at the same time he died the death of the guilty yeah. by providing mercy for us. So there's Jesus. We can praise Jesus for that. Absolutely. So that's six elements. Okay, six items of furniture. Now, I was thinking about that, Leah, and you mentioned earlier that seven is God's perfect number. It's the number of completion. And I was I was wondering, where is the seventh item? I mean, there are only seven major items of furniture there. Where is the seventh item? And then it hit me. It's the high priest. Mm. The high priest is the seventh item. Now, just like the Sabbath is different to the other six days of creation. The Sabbath is very different. There are, there, it, it's, it's different to the way the others are set out. So to the high priest, he's a human being, unlike those six items of furniture, which are just that, they're furniture. And so Jesus Christ is that seventh and final item wow. in the sanctuary. That's awesome. Isn't that awesome? And so he is our high priest. He's the one that brings the plan of salvation to a completion through himself. Now sit back and listen to some music. You're going to listen to Our Time Is Now. And after that, we're going to come back and we're going to continue with this message on the sanctuary. One, two, three, four. January, February, March. The days are marching forward April, May, June and July They 
Looking up, you're with Danny and Leah this afternoon, and we have been journeying through the message of salvation as it's described in Scripture through the sanctuary service. And before we went to our break, we discovered, Leah, that Jesus is that seventh um, element of the sanctuary service, the high priest. He, the high priest, represents Christ. And if you want to read for us uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, where the author of Hebrews, which I believe is the Apostle Paul, um, explains this beautifully. It says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Wow, isn't that powerful? That is a very wonderful promise. That's a beautiful promise. And that combines what we've been talking about, that Jesus Christ, he, he paid the penalty for sin by, by 
keeping the law of God perfectly, and yet on the cross he paid. Yet uh, and yet on the cross he showed his mercy and his grace. So he kept the law perfectly, and yet he was able to show mercy and grace. And that's what this Bible text says. So we have Christ, who is our high priest. The Bible is very clear, and so we can come to him boldly. At any time. And that's the good news, my friend. Wherever you may be, you can come to Jesus at any time and to seek mercies and grace, as it says, to help in the time of need. Mm. And especially in our time of need, we can come to Christ. Now, the whole uh, sanctuary service really is the plan of salvation. We've looked at that uh, right from the beginning. It's the plan of salvation. And in fact, the items of furniture uh, set out in the sanctuary in the form of a cross. You can literally transpose a cross over those sanctuary mm. elements. Yeah, wow. That's wonderful. That's a that's a really extra add on top, isn't it? It is. How it was set out like yeah, that. Yeah, it was. And um, it's, it's just really incredible. So I do encourage you to go to Google and um, and check that out and you will see that. And so, so every item represents Jesus, including the high priest and even the... The articles of furniture are all set out in the shape of a cross. Yeah. And this is well before, well before the cross and crucifixion was ever invented. So God saw this coming. I really love how the sanctuary and all the symbols just deepens our understanding of the plan of salvation. It's not just the cross, which is the central part, but there's so much more to salvation when you can see through these different um, yeah, these different symbols and ceremonies. And I just wanted to share with you about the ones that we've just talked about, um, the ones where you come through the door and you see that altar of sacrifice. That's where we come to Christ when we realize our need, when we realize that we need, um, that we're sinned and that we need forgiveness. And that was my experience. And then after you have um, confessed your sins, well, after you've received Jesus as your Savior, um, the next response is to commit your life to him through baptism. And that's the next thing that you see as you walk through um, into that outer courtyard is you come to that laver, which is the water, the, the cleansing of um, our sins and also just the renewing um, of, of our lives in baptism. And these services that I've just explained to you and also the ones in the first compartment, the holy place of that tent, these all happened on a daily basis in the Jewish um, um, ceremony. Um, so that's really interesting because as a Christian, we have a daily experience that we had to have. And so when you go into the, the holy place, you see the bread, um, the table of showbread that we've talked about, and that represents Jesus being the word of God and how we are to spend that time with him. And then we have the, the lampstand, which we've talked about as well, being the light of the world and the, the Holy Spirit, that the oil that's to keep the lamp burning. Um, and it, that's all about witnessing and sharing our faith with others as well. And then we have the prayers, the, the altar of incense, the last piece in that, in that first compartment, which is our prayer life. And this is the daily service of the priest. He would, he would come in there every day and perform, and he would um, perform these little ceremonies. And as we look at our Christian experience, we too are to have that same, that same experience on a daily basis, spending time in the Word of God, um, witnessing, sharing, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and then praying, having that connection with, uh, with God through prayer. So it's amazing how it, it shows us what our Christian walk should be like. So it's and it's yeah. So it's our Christian walk, and it's also the journey of faith. 
It's a journey as, of faith. As, as you pointed out. And so Christ takes us from the beginning, from the, from the door, all the way through yeah. the entire sanctuary. And that's how we become, that's, we're saved through Jesus Christ every step of the way. Absolutely. Now, what we want to do is we want to focus on, on an element that you led us up to, Leah, and that is the most holy place. So um, uh, we, we, we mentioned that briefly uh, earlier on, that the high priest would go into the most holy place only once a year. Now, if you go to your Bible, we don't have time to read the entire chapter, but if you go to, if you're taking notes, go to Leviticus 16 and Leviticus 23. And in Leviticus 16 and 23, there you discover that there was a service uh, that happened once a year and it was called the Day of Atonement. And it's interesting that word atonement, you can really, you could really break that up into, into three, um, at one meant being made at one with God. It was once a year. It was also called um, the the great day or, or the day of judgment, um, Yom Kippur um, in the you know for the Hebrews. And it was the one day, the one day when all the sins that had been accumulating Throughout the 359 days of the year, the, the year in the Jewish year was um, 12 months of 30 days. Um, all those sins that have been accumulating in the sanctuary um, would be taken into the most holy place. Remember, we talked about that representing the th- very throne room of God. And then the sanctuary would be cleansed. So if you could read for us. Um, the scripture that specifically speaks on this in Leviticus 16, verse 33, regarding the Day of Atonement service. It says, Then he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tabernacle of meeting and for the altar, and he shall make atonement for the priests and for the people of the assembly. Okay, so the he here is who? The high priest. The high priest. Okay, so he is the only one allowed into the most holy place, and it happened once a year. Now, just real brief, because we don't have time to unpack it. There is just so much to share. But the priest would have two goats at the beginning of the Day of Atonement. One was called the Lord's goat, and that would be sacrificed. The other goat was called the scapegoat. And that wouldn't be sacrificed. That would represent Satan, who would who would ultimately uh, have all the sins uh, because he was the instigator of sin. Not that he is the one that brings forgiveness, but he's the one that is the instigator of sin. He is ultimately the one who is responsible for sin at the very outset. All the sins from the from the sanctuary itself, from the entire sanctuary, would be placed on the goat of this scapegoat that represented Satan, and that goat would be led out into the wilderness, and um, and it would die there in the wilderness. And that represents Satan ultimately um, and the 1,000 years that he would spend on this desolate earth at the end of time with his angels. And that's another story for another day. That's in Revelation chapter 20, and we may go there one day. So the Day of Atonement um, cleansed the entire community of Israel of sin. It was the most sacred day. Leah, this was the most. This was the only day in the year when the children of Israel were commanded to fast. Did you know that? No, I did not. Yeah, the only day of the year where they were commanded to fast and pray because it was such a serious day. It was the day of judgment. And, um, and yeah, there was no greater serious, uh, no more serious day in the calendar of the Jewish people. Now, 
the, it's interesting because we read earlier in Daniel, sorry, in Revelation chapter 14, verse 7, it says the hour of his judgment has come, mm. using that language of judgment. Now, there is a passage in Daniel chapter 8 that speaks of the cleansing of the sanctuary. Now, we don't have time to look at the entire chapter in Daniel 8, but Daniel chapter 8 is a repetition of what we have found in Daniel chapter 2, uh, the prophecies concerning um, uh, uh concerning powers and kingdoms that would arise from the day of Daniel all the way to the end of time. And so in Daniel 2, you have, you know, the history of the world from from Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian kingdom all the way to the second coming. In Daniel 7, you have you have that period likewise. And in Daniel 8, we have, we once again have um, a sequence of kingdoms beginning with Medo-Persia, moving into Greece, one being a ram, Medo-Persia, Greece being represented by the goat, and then there is then there is some other details there. But at the end of that sequence, we have something very interesting taking place. And we're going to pick it up in Daniel chapter 8 and verse 14. If you'd like to read Daniel chapter 8 and verse 14, Leah, um, very fascinating verse. It says, And he said unto me, Unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Okay, this brings us back to the to the language that we read earlier in the book of Leviticus where he would make an atonement, there would be a cleansing of the sanctuary. Mm. So this is speaking of the Day of Atonement that would take place at the end of 2,300 days. Yeah. Now, we've looked at this in the past, but a day in Bible prophecy represents how long? One year. One year. Okay. So if you read the previous verses, you discover that the sanctuary is being trampled. God's truth, the truth of salvation is being trampled underfoot, okay, in a symbolic sense, for a period of 2,300 years, mm. okay? And this is from the time of the Medo-Persian Empire all the way through to a period that would begin the cleansing of the sanctuary, which is the time of the judgment, yep. which is that judgment hour. Yep. Now, how do we know when this period begins and when it ends? Good question. That's a good question. The good news is Daniel asks because yeah. he doesn't know. He doesn't no. know the answer to that. So in Daniel chapter 9, we have God giving him an answer when that period of 2,300 years begins. Do you want to read Daniel chapter 9 and verse 47? Sorry, Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24, I should say. 24. It says, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. In verse 25, do you want me to read yes, that as well? if you could. Knowing therefore... Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks or sixty-two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. Okay, there's a lot there and we're going to unpack that in a future, in a future um, Faith FM program. But simply put, it says, from the decree to restore and build Jerusalem. This is after Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was destroyed the first time by the Babylonians. And we know from the book of Ezra, chapter 7, verse 7, if you're taking notes, that that decree was given by King Artaxerxes in the year 457 BC. Yep. So you go 457 BC, 2,300 years into the future, you add a year for the year zero because there's no year zero, 
and you come to what year when the sanctuary would be cleansed, when the judgment would begin? You come to the year 1844. Wow, so there we have it. So since 1844, we have been living in the time of the judgment. And that makes perfect sense because it would be after the cross, after 1798 and before the second coming of Jesus. And 1844 is right there after 1798 and before the coming of Jesus. So this is this is a pretty sober reality, Leah, that we are now living in the time of the judgment. It really is. Um, when I found this out, when I studied this prophecy, I it really made me wake up. Because we, were, I found that this, we were living right at the end of time when the judgment began. Wow. So if you want to be ready for the coming of Jesus and the good news of his soon return after the break, we're going to give you some details of how you can do just that. Sit back and enjoy some beautiful music. How deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The father turns his face away. As wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to glory Have paid my rent. 
Welcome back. How deep the Father's love, and indeed that's what we have been looking at this afternoon, how deep the Father's love through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ as it was demonstrated through the sanctuary service. So my dear friends, as we are about to sign off for another week of faith, of another week of looking up, I do want to encourage you to keep putting your faith and trust in Jesus. Look to him and him alone. And if you are interested in digging deeper, we've only scratched the surface. Leah, how can people learn more if they if if their interest has been sparked by what they've heard today? Look, we have people, full-time Bible instructors who love studying the Bible with people. I used to be a Bible worker. And um, so you can get in contact with us and we can um, put you in contact with someone who will study the Bible with you. And uh, you can either do that over the phone, over Zoom. Like these days, there's no limits really. Um, So I encourage you, if you want to know more about this, you can contact us here um, and we can get you in touch with someone. Absolutely. So, So don't hesitate. Give us a call if you want to learn more about this subject or any other subject. We've got Bible workers ready to sit down with you in whatever um, in whatever shape or form you prefer to do that for you. Now we have a giveaway once again today. Leah, what's our giveaway? Our giveaway is a book on the life of Jesus. It's called Desire of Ages. And how do we get that book, Danny? We get that book. First person to call 1-800-324-843 or text us on 491 064-669 will be the recipient of this awesome book, one of the best on the life of Jesus Christ. So that's about all we have time for today. Uh, the next time we get together, Peter should be here and we're going to be taking you through this prophecy in Daniel chapter 9 regarding uh, the the timing of, the, of, of Jesus, his ministry, his sacrifice, and it's just going to be phenomenal. So you're going to be really blessed. So that's next week. Uh, Pray that you will join us then. So wherever you are, keep looking up for Jesus drawing near. God bless and bye for now. tender years and in all you do do it for Jesus who won you life and free forgiveness yesterday today he is the same all you do do it in Jesus name press on dads love your wife serve your children set the pace Press on dads, seize the moment, show them Jesus, run the race. And in all you do, do it for Jesus, who won you life and free forgiveness. Yesterday, today, he is the same. All you do, do it in Jesus' name.
your family on a surf to give away. And in all you do, do it for Jesus. Won your life and free forgiveness. Yesterday, today is the same. And in all you do, do it for Jesus. Won your life and free forgiveness. Yesterday, today he is the same. All you do, do it in Jesus' name. And when all your human energy is gone, look towards your Jesus and press on. 